This is Kim, and welcome to today's episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing a guest to you, Rachel McElroy. Rachel is a behavior specialist specializing in helping teachers form relationships predicated on choice theory in Albemarle County School District, Virginia. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks for being here. Hey, Kim. Thank you for having me. I have to say that I trained Rachel in choice theory. I think it was only, has it only been three years ago, Rachel? It seems like it's just been three years. It seems like I've known Rachel my whole life. When she (laughs) came in to take her choice theory training, she was like a fish to water. She just seemed to understand the concepts and then went about integrating them in her life relatively quickly, not only at work, but also at home. And Rachel became certified in choice theory in September of last year, and she did a presentation for her certification that I thought might be interesting to people as we're doing focusing, interesting to people as we're focusing this month on education. Rachel uses choice theory and puts it to use in education in a way that I think is very special. So Rachel, can you tell us pretty much what what it is that you do in your job at school? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I support teachers and I support students. Um, Primarily the students I support are students who have different abilities and have individual education plans. Um, And they're also typically students who struggle maintaining typical school behavior expectations. Um, So it's a population that uh, is at high risk of being put in an alternative school um, or sometimes even in a residential school away from their family. Uh, So I work with teachers to um, craft a relationship with their students um, where they have a frame on the student's behavior that is based in choice theory. So all behavior is purposeful. All behavior is driven to meet one of the five basic emotional needs and all behavior is the best that that person can do in that moment with the skill set they have. Um, and, and we take that approach to uh, framing student behavior. And then we also use choice theory in our relationships with students as we're crafting those relationships. So um, we talk a lot about being need meeting with our students. And so how can students feel Uh, powerful and significant in our relationships? How are we having fun? How are we feeling connected? Are we feeling safe? Really making sure that basic needs are met. Um, And then we work to teach students choice theory and to teach students um, how they can learn about who they are and what they need and how their behavior is working uh, for them. Predominantly, this work takes place in uh, small cohorts that exist, we call these cohorts BASES. Um, BASE is an acronym that stands for Building Supports with Evidence. Um, And so choice theory is the evidence base that we use. And we work with students uh, to build the supports that they feel like they need in their school day. Uh, So sometimes that is supporting a student to figure out how to get an assignment or a project or a test completed. Sometimes it's partnering with a student as they uh, navigate a conflict with a peer or with a staff person. Um, sometimes it's working with students as they're experiencing a lot of uh, challenging emotional dysregulation, and it's it's 
being with a, a person that can be with a student to help them uh, de-escalate, that can help them understand uh, a little bit of what's going on in their thoughts and in their body and their total behavior, and then helping a student figure out the way that they want to move forward. Wow, that's a lot. Um, I want to go back to the behaviors because um, I'm wondering, especially the emotional dysregulation kind of behaviors, what are some of the behaviors that these students are exhibiting? Yeah, so um, we work with students that that could demonstrate uh, any number of behaviors. So sometimes behaviors are uh, more like external behaviors, more yelling, cursing, throwing things, physical aggression or, or, you know, posturing for physical aggression. Other times the behaviors are, are much more what we would call like internal behaviors. So feeling very anxious, depressing, uh, really withdrawing, pulling into yourself. Um, and, and those are also behaviors. I engage students or teachers with any behavior that impedes a student's ability to, to learn with the general curriculum that their peers are learning with. Um, and so, so it's the full gambit of behaviors. Wow. And I remember having a conversation with you last year where you said that your program had made significant gains in being able to keep kids in the classroom. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So I should put a little caveat. Um, we don't always keep kids in their, in their classroom. Sometimes we work in alternative spaces. But what we have had a lot of marked success with is keeping students in their home base neighborhood school um, that they attend with peers who, who, who don't have IEPs. And we have been able to um, bridge the gap, I think, so to speak, to, to really provide support um, that students find helpful and actually find supportive so students are willing and, and interested in seeking out and engaging with adult staff members at the school to change their behavior so that they're able to stay at school. And, and we've really had a, a lot of positive experiences with kids using choice theory as the frame to say, you can engage in that behavior and I understand why you're engaging in that behavior. Are you willing to sit down and think with me about how that behavior is impacting your life? And are you willing to think about alternative behaviors that might have a different impact? Um, And what I have found is that when you really approach a student, approach a human, I don't think it has to be a student, right? A a student, when you approach another human being with a a pureness of heart that says, I'm not trying to control you. I want the best for you. And to me, the best for you is what you are able to come up with for yourself, right? The, The mental pictures that you have in your quality world and the things that you find really need satisfying, like, I want to be a partner with you and help you figure out those things and help you think about who you are and who you want to be. And if what you're doing in this moment is helping you on that journey, I have found students and adults to be just so receptive um, to that kind of partnership. And, and that it's been my experience that that partnership in a public school setting is pretty rare. And it takes a little bit of work I find with students to, to really communicate like, I'm, I'm different. I'm not going to impose, you know, what I think you should be doing what I, or what I think you should like to do with your time or who I think you should want to be in the future, but to really be a partner with a student um, and help them figure out who they want to be. That's a powerful experience. I think that's a, 
it's a life-changing experience. For you as well as the student, I would imagine. Absolutely. Uh, the journey over the last three years of, of implementing choice theory with students and with staff has been, oh Kim, it's been remarkable. And in my personal life, in my professional life, I, I find that the only way I can really practice choice theory professionally is by living that, living that life all of the time, right? And so evaluating my own needs all of the time, evaluating what I'm doing to meet those needs and how well it's working for me. Um, I have found a lot more contentedness and congruence and peace and love in my life and genuine happiness uh, since starting this journey. And I think uh, for me, the key has really been implementing choice theory both personally and professionally. So there, it's not like I'm one person during the day and a different person at home. Yeah, that really makes a difference, doesn't it? I, I know it's one of the things that I'm so, um, one of the reasons that I'm so impressed by you because I learned choice theory in 1987. I know that was a long time ago, but I would say that I probably didn't really start to implement it at home until 1997, maybe when my husband got sick. So for 10 years I was using it at work, but I really wasn't practicing it at home. And so Looking back, you could ask the question, how effective was I really at work when I was looking at it just as kind of a tool for my toolbox? I would have to agree with you that I didn't start to dive deep into choice theory until 10 years after I learned it. So you're way ahead of me as far as your growth and development, and it's really impressive to see. Um, just some some clarification for the people who are listening, because I'm sure not everyone listening to this podcast understands choice theory and maybe doesn't even understand education. So sure. you mentioned IEP. Could you share what that is? Yeah. So that's an individualized education plan. It's a legal document that every student, um, it's in my practice to not stay, say disability, to say different ability, but um, students who have learning disabilities or emotional disabilities or other health impair impairments that need a little bit of uh, additional support um, and they access that support through a legal document, which is an IEP. And that's provided uh, through IDEA, through, you know, federal regulation. Okay, great. Thank you. And then you talked about five basic needs. It would be hard for somebody to have listened to my other podcasts and not <laughs> know about them. But if someone just listened to this one and doesn't know about the five basic needs, could you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, so, let me start uh, at the top with my favorite need, which is uh, power. So power, significance, competence, uh, feeling good about yourself, that's one need. Uh, love, so living in community, caring for others and being cared for, um, feeling like you belong and feeling connected to each other, that's another need. Freedom, so the power and ability to have things the way that you want them, to be able to move the way that you'd like to move, to think the way that you'd like to think, to express yourself the way you'd like to express yourself. Um, fun, which I feel like is pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> and then uh, survival, which is like a safety need. And I feel like survival needs can really manifest in a lot of different ways. I think at the most basic level, people tend to think about it as, you know, are you safe? Are you alive? Is your body being harmed? But I, I have learned in the last few years that survival uh, can really encompass a lot. You know, if you're a person who needs 
a really regular amount of sleep or who likes a routine uh, or who, who finds exercise to be really important and kind of having that daily way to take care of yourself, that those are survival needs that people are meeting, I find very often. Perhaps cool. that was easy, but those are the five. No, I, I think that that's great. And so I'm wondering, this conversation that you're talking about having between parents and students, or not parents, but um, teachers and students, when, when, when you're partnering with them to maybe look at their behavior and choose a different one, do you find that teachers struggle with giving up the power of being the, the boss in the classroom? Is that anything that you struggle with? Yes. Um, so that's been a really interesting, just an interesting piece to notice in my work with teachers, uh, because I was a teacher prior to becoming trained in choice theory and prior to integrating choice theory into my practice. Um, and, and I noticed that it was pretty different the, the way that I thought about myself and, and, you know, my power relationships with students and my power dynamics really shifted after I learned choice theory to be less of a power over and more of a power with. And I still do have teachers. I, I will say, thankfully, there are wonderful, wonderful teachers in Albemarle County, many of them who embrace choice theory, who, who will bend over backwards to meet needs for their students and help their students meet needs for themselves. Like people are really accepting. There have been a few instances in which I think it's been hard for people to shift uh, to a choice theory paradigm to view behavior. Um, but that's okay with me. I, I'm not in the business of forcing people to do things they don't want to do. And so if there is a, an expectation or um, something that a teacher is really, you know, holding on to and is unwilling to negotiate or unwilling to move on that point, that's okay. To me, in choice theory, everybody gets to be who they choose to be and then the other people who are engaging with them get to choose how they want to engage right so if I have a teacher who doesn't want to engage in making a plan with a student we say okay and we don't push it then what I do is I go and I work with the party who who's still wanting change and who's still wanting to work right and so maybe let me say it with an example uh, a few years ago there was a teacher um, that had a student who the student was very upset about the seating arrangement in the class and and would not agree to sit in any of the locations that the teacher found and so the student came to me and we talked it through a little bit and uh went to the teacher to see if the teacher would be willing to engage in problem solving with us and coming up with a, a different solution or talking about what we could do differently and the teacher informed me that they were not interested in having that conversation that they were not interested in doing things differently and that the student could figure out how to fit in and it was kind of their way or the highway. Um, and so in that situation, my choice, it feels like to be the person that I've decided I'm gonna be in this role is to say, I understand where you're coming from. I'd like to circle back later and, and talk with you about this. If you're willing, you let me know if you're willing. And then my role feels like it's to go back to the student and say, here's the situation we find ourselves in. What are you gonna do? Who are you going to be? The teacher's not willing to sit down and have a conversation. You have some choices, right? Let's think about what those choices are. One choice is that the kid never goes back into the classroom. Okay. What happens if you never pass seventh grade science? 
You know, one choice is that the student finds a way to be agreeable to the teacher's seating chart. Okay, is that something you'd, you'd be willing to do? Another option is that the student and I travel down uh, kind of a creative problem solving route where we say, here are the immovable pieces that are just fixed. The rest is up for grabs. What can we control? What can we not control? And how are we gonna move forward? That was probably a long ramble to that answer. Actually, I like that answer because it points out practical application and it also shows that we can't control other people. So the only thing we can do is to adjust what we want, change our behavior or change how we look at it. So we really, we have choices, even if we can't get exactly what we want. Yeah. And I even find that there's, there's value, right? Like in my life as an adult, like I have a lot more power and control than you know, a 12 year old does in the, in a public school, but there are still times where people don't do what I want them to do and they're not willing to change or they're not willing to negotiate with me. Or there are factors in life that are really hard for me that aren't inside my control. And I still, it's still my responsibility to figure out who I'm going to be and how I'm going to behave. And so I actually view, like, I won't lie, those moments can be really frustrating when <laughs> I want to problem solve with a teacher and, and it's not going to happen. That can be frustrating. I can frustrate over that. But there's value and there's learning in it always. And yes. I think that that feels really good to step into that space with a student and say, the chips aren't falling the way that we thought they would it's still our job to move forward. How are we going to do it? I like that. So it's like assess what, what you have control over, what you don't, and focus your time, energy, and attention where you do. So don't spend a lot of time being the victim, feeling sorry for yourself. Take control and decide where you want to go from here. Yeah. That's, that's, you want to be I the was, victim, does it get you where you want to be? Right. Know? sometimes we have that conversation and sometimes it does actually we victim being a victim can get you a lot of benefits so sometimes that might be the choice and and that may be one of the ways that you're teaching students choice theory I was going to ask you how do you actually do that can they understand this stuff oh absolutely <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite things about choice theory is that even though I think that in a choice theory practice there is so much depth. I think I will never know all that there is to know, and I will never be done practicing choice theory. Uh, initially, like the basic concepts are pretty, pretty clear and pretty cut and dry. And even young, young, you know, I have a, a, a son who's almost two. He understands basic needs. He understands that he has a need for fun, that he has a need for freedom. He he certainly understands that he doesn't want anyone telling him what to do or controlling. Yeah, especially you know. at almost two. Yeah. So, so the way I think the most effective and my personal favorite way to teach choice theory is, is to model choice theory, it's to model it with myself, is to model it in my relationships is to model it when I come across challenging situations and that, you know, you spend a lot of close contact time. If you're a teacher, you spend a lot of face time with your kids. Um, and, and when I was in that role, like modeling choice theory and all of my daily actions was such an effective way to teach. And then to say, Hey, I noticed something going on in your day would it be okay with you if I shared something similar that's happened in my day 
and I think for me that gets a, back to maybe what you asked earlier about kind of personal application. I don't, I don't feel like it's very in line with choice theory for me to make claims about what's maybe going on with someone else. You know, like it feels very uh, inauthentic and maybe antithetical to choice theory to say, well, it seems like in the hallway, you know, when you got sent out that your power need got pushed in on. That doesn't feel authentic to me. What does feel authentic is to say, I'm noticing that your body looks upset. Can I tell you about an experience I had when my body, I think, felt the same way that your body looks? And then to really be vulnerable and to share with a, share with a student. You know, there are times where I feel insignificant or small. There are times where the day doesn't go the way that I want it to, and it's hard for me, and this is what I do. And, and I think that those are really valuable learning, learning and teaching moments and, and that modeling choice theory, kids are so bright and, and kids can really understand motives and modeling people pick it up so quickly. Um, I definitely have done a fair amount of like, let's create a lesson plan. You know, let's, let's have a goal. Let's sit down. Let's talk about the basic needs. Let's do an activity based on the basic needs. and and I find that to be useful, especially, you know, if we need to create like a common vocabulary in our classroom or, or anything like that. But, but there's an authenticity that's lost, right? That I think you can really only feel through your own personal experience and in modeling and being in the moment and being a partner with, with a student and really walking a choice theory walk to me is the most powerful way to create authentic learning moments. I'm not even going to say for students, with students, right? Because yes. I learn in every single one of those moments too. Yeah, what a beautiful way of teaching students choice theory. That's, that's also impressive, Rachel. I have one last question for you, and it's about parents. How do the parents take to choice theory? Do they know about it? Are the kids teaching it at home? Are you teaching it to parents in any way? Um, what about that piece of the puzzle? That's a good question. So that piece uh, is very similar to how I engage with other staff members who might not be um, choosing to, to work in a choice theory way. So uh, students that we engage with choice theory, uh, their parents are more than welcome to ask about what we're doing, to learn about what we're doing. I have definitely had parents that I have um, given books or given copies of notes. I have met uh, late in the night at a library and drawn diagrams on the board and, and talked it all through. Sometimes, sometimes we have parents that really want to engage in the same way that we engage at school. Um, and then sometimes we have parents that want school to be school and home to be home. And I get that too. And it's however parents choose to engage. Um, I'm still going to be who I am as an educator and there's still valuable learning in it, in it for students. Um, I have not had any parents disagree or not, not like the way that we engage with students in a choice theory way. Oh, that's interesting because I have heard of other schools that do struggle with parents who think, well, maybe it's more the parents of your regular ed school who think that the choice theory students are getting benefits that their kids aren't getting. So they're a little uh, frustrated by that. 
that may not be something that you deal with. Well, so maybe this isn't on the record. Yeah. I'm thinking I may not leave that on the record at all. Yeah. Most of the parents we work with are just not engaged Mm -hmm. and and not good parent models. A lot of our kids are in foster care or Uh, homeless or, gotcha, or, or like really negative things are modeled at home. I tend to stay away from parents unless when I had my own specific kids, I was really connected to those parents. But in my role now, unless I have a parent that's actively, and I have a couple, but that's actively wanting information, I honestly try to fly under the radar. Okay. So I think when I go back in, I'll just say, well, that's good to hear. Because you, the last thing I think you said was you have parents who either aren't involved or who are interested. Yeah. So. So that's good to hear. It sounds like you don't have parents who are trying to fight what you're doing with the kids. No, I think that people who are really close to the work that we're doing understand um, what it means to be a partner with kids at school and really appreciate that. And I also want to make a point like in the work that we do with students that's choice theory based, we don't change any of the expectations of the school day. (laughs) We don't change any behavioral expectations. We don't change any academic expectations. So there's not that much, well, that's not true. There's a lot that's different about a student's day when they're engaged in choice theory, but in like a tangible, you know, the products that are due at the end of the day, the expectations about behavior, those things don't change. And so so I don't get a lot of pushback in that way. I think if we were changing expectations, maybe we would. I know I said that was my last question, but I'm, I thought of another thing that I'm a little curious about. Do you have the supportive administration? Absolutely. Well, so there are uh, 26 schools in Albemarle County and I don't work in all of them. Um, But I am really fortunate to work in a County that is really progressive and forward thinking and student centered that really wants the best for students, especially in terms of uh, social and emotional learning. And and I have found a lot of support in administrations um, at different schools. And then at the central office, the director of special ed and the assistant director of special education, uh, both of them are incredibly supportive of the work that we're doing. It, It wouldn't be possible to do this work at all if not for their just steadfast support. Terrific. So I think that's going to wrap things up. I just want to give you one last chance. If there's anything you didn't say that you'd like to say to the audience, I'd like to give you that chance now. You know, I don't know if there's anything about my work that I, that I haven't said that I'd like to say, but I would like to say how impactful choice theory has been to my life and what a gift I feel like I've been given. And, and it feels so good to be able to share that gift with others. Uh, Kim, you shared that gift with me and it was really, it was meaningful and I will be forever grateful in that way. And I'm grateful that I get to still be in contact with you so frequently and to pick your brain. Uh, it's really, the choice theory community is really an amazing community. And if, and if you're someone who's listening that you're not familiar with choice theory or you're not hooked into the community, I would really encourage you to give it a try because it has been uh, a really loving and satisfying that I have found. Well, that goes both ways, Rachel. I love being in contact with you too. So we have a little mutual admiration society going. (laughs) Um, So thank you for joining me. 
And I hope you'll listen next week when we'll be talking about, I have no idea, but I'll, I'll splice it in later. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. All right. Are we all done? Yeah. I'll stop the record. <laughs>